Welcome to Write, Read, and Write. I'm Adam Preston Perrell, and today, as usual, I am with Josiah Gray to help you build on your practice of English writing, speaking, and comprehension. So this is our 11th episode, and we are really pleased to finally be wrapping this up. Wait, uh, we're done doing the podcast? It's over so soon? No, uh, today's just merely the end. The end? How? I still have content planned. Well, you can get to all, we can get to all that glorious content later, but for today, today is a day of conclusions, of punchlines, of finales, and resolutions. Are you messing with me? (laughs) Who, me? Would I actually do that? Well, I guess that does certainly sound like something I would do. But I guess last week we were discussing openings and hooks, so today we're going to talk about how to bring everything together at the end with some tips for your stories and essays. That's right. I forgot. It must be because every day is the same, and I am living in a perpetual cycle of sleep, exercise, eat, work, learn, and sleep again. I do recommend that you should break that cycle, Adam. Uh, Have you tried that licking ice cream off the floor tip that I mentioned before? Uh, No, that sounded gross. (laughs) All right. Uh, It was pretty gross. It was a little bit out there. So if you're not going to do that, we have something a little bit more tame. Uh, Maybe you could try to stand on your balcony and just sing karaoke as loudly as you can. Try that and they'll break the cycle. Yeah, sure. Uh, I will have to try that. Um, Before our listeners and students, um, I have a different recommendation. I would like to recommend Toast and Melt. I order on Food Panda, and I have to say that I've never been disappointed with Toast and Melt. Um, You can er er order early as uh, 8 a.m. and have your delicious breakfast sandwich before class at 9. I mean, I customize mine every time I order. I add green peppers, extra cheese, more eggs, and I'm always pleased with the amount of each ingredient that they stuff in my oversized sandwich. So I definitely recommend Toast and Melt. Wow. You've really sold me on this whole toast and melt thing. Don't know whether they've delivered to my area, but I'll see. Um, I am curious, though, how much are they paying you for this advertisement? I cannot tell you. That would be a uh, breach in contract. (laughs) All right. See yourself. Uh, But we do need to discuss our policy on advertising during Write, Read, and Write. But either way, great food suggestion. And I do think... Uh, you've been giving a lot of good food suggestions in the past few episodes, Adam. I'm, I mean, honestly, it's the only really good thing in life right now. <laughs> Sadly, that is a bit too true. But let's get to our discussions on endings. So we're going to try to keep this short today, just like you should keep all your endings. Uh, but here is an idea on writing, writing your endings. So first, I think you should try to write your endings first. So a lot of writers, what they do is they actually write their ending before they write the rest of their story, and they try to figure out how to work backwards to their beginnings. Now, I would advise you to not do this on a test, because that might be a bit too much pressure, but practice it uh, during your homework, okay? So plan your ending first, and then you'll know what you're aiming towards, and you won't waste any time or words as you're trying to get there. And this works for nonfiction writing, too. Because your conclusion in an essay is basically just the summary of all your main ideas and a restatement of your thesis statement. 
So you could write your conclusion first, and then you know what you're trying to prove within the rest of your article. So for instance, maybe you start with writing uh, in the end that your uh, school should have non-uniform days. Uh, then you think through the main points that you'll include throughout the articles. Now, this might seem like something you do in the introduction, and obviously you can. However, I sometimes get students who don't think through exactly what their ideas are beforehand. Okay, honestly, I get a lot of those. <laughs> but uh, maybe if they started with the idea at the, at the end, it would help. So let me explain. Uh, maybe your idea is that schools should have non-uniform days, but then my students, as they're writing, they get so passionate about this idea that by the end, they're basically saying that schools should just get rid of uniforms altogether. And that opinion is fine, but what you've done is you've changed the purpose of your writing. So maybe if you'd written that as your conclusion first, it would have helped you stay on track as you went through the rest of your writing. And I totally agree, uh, especially when you're trying to set a tone or be persuasive. Knowing where you're going is essential. Uh, you don't want to be too strong in the middle of your text and have a weak conclusion. And you don't want your conclusion to be too strong and all your support for that conclusion is weak because you haven't planned for it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm going to give one suggestion for the conclusions today for both stories and essays. It's a simple rule for students and general learners of English. And I mean this. Like, I, I believe everyone should have creativity for, and, and, and freedom in their writing. But unless you have years of writing experience under your belt, never end with a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger in a story is a scene that leaves the reader or audience wondering what happens next or how the conflict was resolved. A lot of times my students will say, oh, I want to leave it to the reader's imagination. A cliffhanger in an essay is an anti-conclusion or open question that doesn't demonstrate the purpose of the essay. Like, oh, I want my audience to guess what I mean. A cliffhanger by an inexperienced writer is a demonstration of an inability to resolve conflict in a story or connect ideas in an essay. And that, for me, is point of fact. So students, learners, writers, avoid cliffhangers at all costs. Know your ideas in an essay and how they are connected. And then tie them up in a neat paragraph. No, please just know how your story is going to end before you start writing it. And don't disappoint the reader with an unanswered question or unresolved conflict. Just don't do it. So in short, for me, no to cliffhangers. Yeah, cliffhangers are really tough to pull off. I mean, only the most legendary writers attempt them. And they only get away with it because they've got like decades of experience. And so people trust them. Uh, so avoid cliffhangers. They're not impossible to write. Not impossible. Uh, but if I was writing for a grade, I would always steer clear of cliffhangers. Because when you're writing, you want to have a clear structure and content, and you want that to feel purposeful. And too often, a cliffhanger just makes your reader feel cheated. It's almost like an anti-joke, which I must admit, I'm a sucker for a good anti-joke. So here's one. Uh, Adam, what do you call a joke that isn't funny? I don't know what. A sentence. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> yep. Sorry. So see, it's not, it's not, oh, it's not funny. And it's only kind of funny because it's so not funny. And that's kind of what happens when it comes to cliffhangers. You don't want the person who's reading your exam to give you a pity laugh or a pity cry. Uh, so avoid the endings that make your reader feel cheated. 
And for me, one of my biggest pet peeves is actually cliche endings. So, for instance, the one I get a lot is, you know, then he woke up and it was all just a dream. <laughs> no, a thousand times no. Please don't write that ending. I have so many students who write that ending. And as a, a reader and as a teacher, what I immediately think is this student ran out of space or ideas and they didn't know what to do so they just gave me this cliche ending and now i just feel cheated okay uh, if you're writing a story and the character is in a haunted house and the ghosts are coming and the door is locked and they can't get out no no they're gonna die don't just end it by saying oh they woke up and it was okay i would rather the character die <laughs> which is because at least that is an ending so make sure you don't have a cliffhanger and you don't have a, a, a cliche ending uh, because then as your teacher, I'm just going to fall into this torturous mental debate on whether I need to take away points because it gave me such a bad ending. So save me a couple gray hairs and don't do that. Um, Adam, do you have any cliche endings that you just get a ton? Um, definitely. And, and they are cliches because I do get a ton of them. I mean, if if I didn't get ton of them, then they wouldn't be cliches. I mean, I have students write lines such as, I haven't seen her since, or they were never seen again. I mean, those students obviously didn't know what to do with the character, so they disappeared them. As long as students don't do this, they will get respect for trying to end a story, even if it's a death. I mean, my stories usually end with everyone dying. So Josiah... I mean, with all this for our students to consider, what is your homework for our listeners this week? I want you as a, you know, to just research bad endings. Go into that wonderful Google wormhole uh, by just typing worst TV show endings ever. Or you could do with books, worst book endings ever. Uh, don't choose any books or movie TV shows that you want to actually watch or read. Uh, don't spoil the ending. But uh, there are some really bad ones out there. Um, and it's it's a... It's fun for me to just Google bad endings. Uh, but these endings are so bad that they frustrate the viewer or the reader. And I'm especially thinking of the TV show Lost. I never really got into it, but I had some friends who watched it for like years. Um, and then the ending was one of those kind of cliche endings that left a lot of fans mad and a bit confused. And the reason for that was I, because basically I don't think the writers knew where the story was going to end before they started. Uh, so give it a Google, uh, go down that crazy digital wormhole, find those bad endings, just listen to the really angry fans who are mad about these endings. And just remember, don't do this to your teachers. <laughs> well, I would like our students and listeners to really think about how they end things, such as their meals, their lessons or days. And think about the processes they go through to wrap up the event or the day. We all have our little traditions, such as brushing our teeth, getting our bags ready. I mean, there are processes to ending something. Um, we have, we all have these processes that we go through. So I would like my students to look for an order in the processes of wrapping things up and see if they can identify a pattern or ending something. How does everything connect at the end of the day? What do you always do at the end of a meal? How are these conclusions connected? You're going with food again? <laughs> well, I am hungry. I'm always hungry. It's it's a little past 5 p.m. at the moment, and I think we have Mois Young Gao on the way. I'm looking forward to it. That's true. You are always looking forward to your next meal, as we all are. 
But man, I do think social distancing is getting a bit too much uh, to you. Uh, maybe try <laughs> try something new to break that cycle, Adam. Come on. So, uh, uh, hey, look, I I'm accepting my agoraphobia, <laughs> and I feel like that's the that's the underpinning pandemic is you have COVID nineteen and then this newfound agoraphobia of all the people who've been stuck inside and are afraid to go socialize again. Yeah, it is gonna be a huge switch. It's gonna be a bit intense. Well, hopefully, there's people can recover. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that i think is it for right read and write so thank you so much for uh joining us and developing your practice of english and we hope you've learned a little bit more about the proper way to end a